I would just say there's one misperception of our veterans, and that is they are somehow damaged goods. Although if we tell our veterans enough that this is what's wrong with them, they may actually start believing it. Hey everybody, welcome to Dead Reckoning Radio. In honor of Mother's Day, we're continuing the Poppy series with Amy Sexauer, where she talks to the woman behind her newly released book, Poppies. This is part two of three of the series. We hope you enjoy. All right, there we go. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, all right, so we have Rachel and Lilia and Megan uh, here. I, I'm talking like I'm talking to somebody, not to you guys. Hi, everybody. Um, so all three of us were CSTs, uh, Megan and Rachel, we did selection together. And then Megan, I know you and I were like attached at the hip for CST training. Um, Lilia, what rotation were you? I was six. You're six. Okay. So, um, Meg and Rachel and I were two. Um, so I don't even remember when I first met you, Lilia, but it was probably through Alex, right? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, Man, okay, Rachel and Lilia were both intel in the army, and Megan was field artillery, and this is like I'm giving myself trivia right now. <laughs> like, do I remember these facts about my friends? Um, but everybody's out, right? You all are, Meg, are you still in the reserves? I'm in the reserves, yeah. I'm okay. civil affairs. Okay, Meg and I are in the reserves, um, Meg civil affairs, and then Rachel and Lilia are out, out. Um, Rachel, you're in finance, right? Would you yes. say that's accurate? Okay. <laughs> Lilia, I would say you're in security. Is that cover it? Uh, no, I'm in like business development, I guess. Business development. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And then Megan, you've done a little bit of everything. I know you did some terrorism research and you said biotech company was your most recent job. Yeah. Yep. I'm just a wandering soul. <laughs> I mean, you're I'm wandering. A food truck wife. <laughs> a food truck wife. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. What's up? <laughs> I, I've had the mac and cheese from that food truck and it's worth, it's worth it. So no shame. Good to hear. <laughs> that was a while ago. He's probably like upgraded it since then. Yeah. We have like six trucks now and four different concepts. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So are they all mac and cheese or are they different? No mac and cheese, barbecue, uh, cheese steaks, tacos. What am I forgetting? Burgers. Awesome. A little bit all of right. everything. Well, shout yeah. out if you're in the Denver area to go to the food trucks. <laughs> actually, my sister just moved to Denver, so I need to actually connect that for her. She'd probably love that. Oh, Jesse did? She moved. She literally just like a month ago moved to Denver. Oh. She, she got out. Awesome. Yeah. Good um, for her. Yeah. Her and her wife. Um, I mean, I won't, I guess I won't give any details <laughs> on the podcast because you don't stalk her, but um uh, her wife has always, she's had a job in Denver, but she worked remote when Jesse moved around. And now that mm-hmm. Jesse's out, they moved back. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I need to connect you guys. Also, I'm going to be in Colorado a lot. So I need to hit you up. About that. Yeah. Hit me up. <laughs> Meet your children. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I think those are like the key data points. Does anybody have any other data points they want to share? About themselves? Important to note that Lilia is not out. She's retired. After oh, yeah. 100%. Yes. Congratulations. Career. We celebrated last year, but I'm still so proud of you. I 
with my reserve time, I'm still at like 13 years. So it like blows my fucking mind that you've done 20. And it blows like, my mind too. Feels yeah, like another yeah. lifetime ago. <laughs> I think I say this every time we talk about your retirement, but like you have no wrinkles on your face. <laughs> and like the army kicked my ass and gave me a lot. Yeah, of- for sure. You look amazing. Really, I oh, thanks. I um I I always tell people the army kept me young. So we'll see mm-hmm. if I like age to 60 over the next couple of years. <laughs> well, a toddler will do that to you also, if not that's true. all this deprivation. Well, that's the truth. So Megan, what are your food, like the names of your food trucks? Are they clever? Um, some of them are. <laughs> so the mac and cheese is mac and noodles. Um, the barbecue is, uh, the pig rig. Um, and then we have, um, Mile High Cheesesteaks, and then the Burger Bus is the burger truck. Um, and then we have Denver Street Tacos. Um, so yeah, some of them are, it's kind of interesting. Like some of them, I feel like they have more creative names, but then for like the purpose of like SEO, when people are looking for it, it's almost better to have just like a plain name, like Denver Street Tacos or, you know, cause, cause mm. people will Google that. And so that's kind of stuff that David has learned. Um, my husband has learned along the way with just, trying to like scale his business and stuff like that so yeah you got like a little food truck empire you're building (laughs) cool yeah we're trying yeah (laughs) so Um, yeah it's fun there's like a new place that just opened up here I haven't even been yet but it's like a food truck corner of it they built like a playground and picnic tables dude this is what we want to do this is our dream like we want to do a food (laughs) truck park so we want to like park all the trucks because the maintenance on them is like a nightmare and then create like each concepts like equivalent trailer that we can like drive up into the mountains and still do like, you know, festivals and catering and everything, but then park the trucks at like a food truck park and then build like a big, like splash pad and playground and like intramural fields and like a stage and a bar. And like, like this is like huge in Denver, um, having like food courts, like areas where people can go and like everybody can choose their own, you know, adventure as far as like what they want to eat and stuff like that. So yeah, that's like our, that's like our vision for, I don't know how many years down the road, but yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The one here, Amy is so it's, it's really nice. It's kind of a big deal in this little town. So. <laughs> What's it called? It. It's called Red's Corner and it has like an, like a patio sitting area with like an outdoor bar. And then there's like kind of a rotation of like five or six different trucks that go through there yeah have to check that out in a couple I've, of times it's I've nice. had some of the food trucks I think at other spots I just haven't been there yet but it's like a mile from my house so I have yeah. no excuse not to take Jen down there Meg could you have predicted when you were in the army that you were going to be like a food truck mafia no <laughs> <laughs> this is like a wild like dude I want to write a book about food trucking because it's like such a crazy world it's like been under the underground truck world and like the crazy <laughs> people you meet and just, just so many characters and I don't know you should write that book I would read that very interesting <laughs> yeah I started it but you know that was like three years ago <laughs> well, I open the word document every like year and then close it yeah. I also have many many word documents of books that yeah but you actually wrote a book so well thank you I wrote one Not gonna, let's keep going <laughs> Um, so I have a question for you guys, sort of like a softball warm-up question, but I wanted to get y'all's, uh, physical journey, your experience of, of going from, cause we were all friends 
I mean, Lily, I know we met a little bit later, but um, we all met when we were like 24, 25, like kind of in our like army physical prime. Um, and then for me personally, like becoming a mom devastated my body physically. I, I mean, it was just that it wasn't like I had a tragic experience, but I lost like all my muscle mass. And then being a single mom, I didn't really have time to exercise besides walking around and like yoga until this last year. I just finally started working out again, like consistently. Um, <clears throat> and it's been super humbling to like literally start from scratch. Um, like you grow up, I grew up playing sports and, you know, so I always had like a foundation of fitness, but then to literally be like, I don't have abs at like, they were shot, they were cut up, they were fucked up. So I had to literally start all over again. Um, <clears throat> what has y'all's experience been? Rachel, I'll just go to you first to make it easier. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm in the thick of it and I can <clears throat> just completely empathize and appreciate everything you just said, Amy. I, so I became pregnant, um, well, after my transition from the army, I was about three and a half years out. So my fitness had definitely changed from the, like, you know, fight for your life type of fitness level that you're in in the military to I'm just existing in a pretty like safe world and I'm doing it for, you know, enjoyment and yeah. Um, but I had maintained, you know, I think a, an above average level of fitness compared to the rest of the population. And while I was pregnant, I, um, my husband who was still active duty was deployed. I, we were bi-coastal as a couple. I worked in New York. He was stationed in Washington. So over the course of my pregnancy, I worked a very demanding job. I moved from the West coast to the East coast, back to the West coast. Um, and Fitness, while I was active and worked out from time to time, definitely wasn't top priority. So I saw my fitness level just degrade throughout yeah. my pregnancy um, and had a, a bit of a traumatic delivery and the recovery from that. And then multiple moves as my husband got out of the army. So in the course of my daughter's two-year life, we've moved five times. Oh my God. Finally settled. And I'm in the currently trying to like really establish a new workout plan. And it has been extremely humbling going from like needing no maintenance to like bust out 50 pushups without trying. And now 10 is like a concerted effort. Cause my <laughs> truly no longer existed. Like my arm strength is there, but to lose your core. Yeah. I can't express to you what a like how disassociated I am from my body by not be able to hold my body together. Yeah. And you don't realize how much you use, especially like your everything. lower abs, right? Like even just picking your legs up, you need that, that lower abs. Um, I'm yeah. I mean, I've been, Lily and I are blessed to go to the same gym right now and I've been working out so hard and consistently since August. And I still like my abs are nothing like they were pre pre baby. Um, I wanted to, you said something about Cause you had, um, your daughter, obviously, like you said, you had a couple of years after active duty. What was that transition like from like working out? Cause you have to, to, I don't know, trying to find joy or a reason to work out. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that hard to, um, find an excuse to, it was just not as fun as it used to be in the army. Cause I feel like I used to always do it with my girlfriends and there was always this competitive aspect. So I never, I didn't find the sense of community 
with my fitness, the way that I had in the army and look and before kids, I mean, oh my gosh, it's just so easy to make how much time you not as, not as easy to make excuses. I feel like. Yeah. I did not realize how much time I feel like I wasted so much time. Like what the fuck did I do on my weekends? Well, when you have so much of it, it's just like, nah. Yeah. I just want to point out really quickly though, that to Rachel's point about like working out together, we nicknamed her the, I think it was, was it the Russian dragon or something? Yeah. She used to like smoke the, I, I tore a hamstring. I'm pretty sure during one of Rachel's like sprint workouts, which I'm still recovering from. So, but those were, those are good times. We used to meet at the chat on brag and just get a nice sweat session for lunch. Stadium. Was it the one with the stairs? Yeah. 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 I think, I don't know if that's the right name or not, but I also remember that fondly. I actually remember Megan smoking the piss out of me trying to teach me how to do track workouts. Um, but you know what, Megan, it worked. You cut a lot of time off of my two mile. You were a good student, Amy. You were a good student. <laughs> I've abandoned running a little bit lately, but um, Lily, I'm going to throw the same question to you about your um, journey with having kids. So I don't know, I guess mine was a little different as you know, I had, it's like my kids kind of book ended my army career. So I had one before I joined the army, um, when I was really young and then one like the last year in my career. So it didn't really interrupt my army fitness. In fact, I think having like my son really young, um, almost kind of after you recover, I think you'll find that after you recover from like having a baby and growing a baby, your core ends up getting like being stronger than it was before. Mm-hmm. I think, well, that was the case for me anyways. So when I joined the army, I always had, you know, I always did like sports and stuff like that. So I had a foundation of like athleticism. Um, so PT in the army was, it was kind of easy. And, and then it just, you know, kept me motivated to do that for 21 years to, to Rachel's point, like working out with friends or working out for soldiers or working out with soldiers. Um, and then, yeah. So then my, for my baby, the two-year-old for Isaac, um, and we can cut that out if we need to, uh, I, I thought it was going to be like one of those, like, like beast, like at the gym, pregnancy women. And I, so (laughs) I was 38 and I was exhausted. And so I like definitely prioritized sleep a lot more during that pregnancy. Um, but I did fantasize when I first got pregnant that I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be like doing pull-ups with like my pregnancy belly. And it's going to be, and all that went out the window really quickly after, you know, just a couple of months and me being like, okay, I'm 38. I'm pregnant. I'm at the end of my 21 year career. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm going to sleep and it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now getting back into it. Um, and thanks to Amy for pulling me into the CrossFit gym. It's such a great little community, but yeah, it's been humbling starting all over, but I am finding like the fitness is coming back to me pretty quickly. This like my strength is. So I'm happy about that and happy that, um, you know, I'm at least still young enough to try to have some sort of like fitness goals that Amy and I talk about often. (laughs) I've, I've like all the old shit that I used to think I would do. I'm like, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm going to be able to do double unders. I'm going to be able to do pull-ups. I'm going to be able to do all this shit. Like I, you know, all of it's sort of irrelevant to overall fitness, but like, I like having those goals too. Keeps me focused. 
Um, I also had that fantasy that I was going to be the jacked pregnant lady. Uh, I thought, God, I was so cocky going into pregnancy and motherhood. I was like, I've done a bunch of hard shit. Like women all over the world do this. Of course I can do it. And I want to say it was around 20 weeks. I remember like jogging around during PT and like my back was killing me. And I had to have like a come to Jesus moment of like, I'm not going to be that pregnant woman. <laughs> like I already can't jog. Like I know a lot of people run and work out through the whole pregnancy, but I like quickly was crippled by it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was a hard pill to swallow. And then I, <laughs> then I blew up like a balloon, like real, uh, salt absorption, not like necessarily a lot of fat gain, but I just got real swollen and I looked, I looked kind of entertaining. You were so cute. <laughs> I remember seeing you, I was at the Starbucks uh on post and like you were you were like you were almost I think you're within a few weeks of delivering and I was like you're just so cute with your belly your little dress <laughs> Waddle, waddling around it's weird <laughs> weird to be pregnant on base like yeah I I was very fortunate I don't know what you guys how you guys experienced it but um the position that I was in and I had already said that I was getting out. So I never really had to wear the maternity uniform. I had it. I probably wore it like a handful of days. Um, but at the end, when I started to get huge, first, I just actually borrowed like a dude's top. So I just was wearing like a bigger top that wasn't actually a maternity one. And then um, and then they let me wear civilian clothes for the last couple of weeks, which I'm in hindsight really grateful for. Yeah, I remember I was really stubborn about not wanting to like switch to to shoes, to soft shoes or whatever. And yeah. being very pregnant and trying to like tie your boots. <laughs> like I would hold my breath and be like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. I was, yeah. I was in Miami when I was pregnant. Um oh. and it was really hot there. <laughs> Even just the way the, like, obviously I thought the top was not flattering and that like, when you're trying to look like all cool professional, that was not fun. But the elastic band on the maternity pants was really what fucked me up. Cause it, there was nowhere I could put it that it didn't hurt. I don't know if it was cause it didn't fit me right, but it was like, if I tried to pull it over my tummy or on my tummy or under my tummy, it all felt itchy and a lot of pressure and awkward. And so I just, I, again, I'm lucky I was in a unit where nobody cared. So I didn't have to wear that Megan your turn I actually I didn't put you last uh on purpose but I think it works out since you're our competitive distance runner I know you've had a tough journey with your fitness and pregnancy yeah um so I think for me um definitely like moving around in the army like just coming out of like West Point and you know like running was my thing and like you know, being a part of that team was like really important to me, um, going through college and then kind of wherever I moved in the army, I would just like find the local group of runners and that like instantly became my community. And it was like, it, it like made it easier for me to like move around. Um, I would just like join the local run club at the local running store or like join the on post team. And like that, those like instantly became my friends. Um, and so when I transitioned from active duty and moved out here to Denver, um, I joined a, a track club. And so like, that was like instant my community. I met this great group of girls. Um, and I was like pretty busy going through grad school and everything. 
um, and didn't really like have much of a social life. I was working a lot and everything. Um, so I feel like they were like, that group of girls was like my, yeah, my community. So um, when I um, became pregnant, it was just, um, you know, like, like all of you have said, I had this, these expectations of, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run like 60 miles a week through like eight months of pregnancy. And like, I'll just slow down. It will be fine. Um, didn't quite work out that way. Um, I was, I had kind of a rough pregnancy. Like I was pretty sick. Um, but I did, I was pretty like happy with, um, I was, I, I was able to like run to some degree through like seven or eight months of pregnancy, um, which I was pretty happy with. Um, That's awesome. but on, on the back end, I was, uh, I was like, really like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon, like within five months of like giving birth and like, you know, it'll be fine. And, um, <laughs> so that didn't quite play out the way that I thought it would either. Um, I also had kind of a traumatic delivery. Um, and then thereafter I, um, I suffered with, uh, complex migraines for several months. Um, I actually thought I was having strokes. Um, and it was kind of related to hormones and pregnancy and everything like that. So, um, I think, you know, the last year has just been very, very humbling. Um, and it's also been like, like I said, like I, I kind of like lost my community because I was no longer, no longer able to run competitively and with that, that group of girls. So it's just like my whole social circle kind of collapsed. <laughs> um, and so what's it? Yeah. Um, and so I, I definitely, like, I've, I've been going to pelvic floor PT and, and working on, um, a lot of that and just kind of like, I guess, reestablishing my expectations. Um, but it's been a really long and, and humbling process. Cause like I said, I thought I would just like bounce back, you know, you like watch all these people on social media and it's just like, Oh, I'm going to bounce back the bounce back. And just, you know, uh, I guess just kind of like being, um, just like uh, knowing that everybody's journey is different. It doesn't make you any less of a person, any less of an athlete, any less of a mother. It's just like, mm. you, you just, whatever cards you're given, you do the best you can with it. And like, you got to be proactive. Um, so I started going to, um, pelvic floor PT and finally started feeling like a normal, like kind of like my pre-pregnancy self again. Um, and then found out I was pregnant again. So, <laughs> so you gotta yeah, do the whole yeah. cycle over again. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I think this time I'm definitely better prepared, um, from like a mental standpoint. Yeah. I also felt like I kind of, well, I had a surprise baby, right? Yeah. I guess you're kind of having a surprise baby this time too. <laughs> um, I definitely felt like I went in blind with like, I, I don't even know where my expectations, where I got that idea of like, I'll other women are fit their whole pregnancy. So I'll be super jacked my whole pregnancy. I don't know where I got that concept from, but uh, I wanted to ask how, what was the distance, what was the time between um, like your Olympic trials and finding out you were pregnant? Cause you were like super competitive running a lot. Yeah. Um, it was a few months. So I ran the trials in February of 2020. Um, we got married in March and uh, I probably conceived my daughter in like early May. So okay. it okay. was a matter of months. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to place that timeline in my head. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to watch Megan run in the trials, which was super cool. Um, 
you've always been an inspiration to me um, as my friend, but also like as such a badass runner. Um, all right. So I'm supposed to mention poppies at some point. I think I've mentioned the book at some point, but um, that's like, I guess the reason we're doing this podcast. So I want to read one. I have two poems prepped for you guys. Um, the one is just about being a mom. And then the other one is more about our friendship. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read this one and then um, just kind of see what thoughts it brings up for you guys. It's called, if I didn't have you, if I didn't have you, I would sleep more. I might eat better. I would have more time with my friends. If I didn't have you, I could spontaneously do whatever I wanted. If I didn't have you, I would be making more money. My life would be cleaner and smoother if I didn't have you. If I didn't have you, I wouldn't be a mother. I would still be lost and aimless if I didn't have you. I would still be looking for love outside of myself if I didn't have you. I would laugh less and sing less and dance less if I didn't have you. If I didn't have you, I'd have a whole lot of things, none of which compare to you. Obviously, that's about gin. As you guys know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think I wrote that one. So I, I, I obviously everyone's journey to motherhood is very different and I have no regrets. I love being a mom and I love gin, um, but I've been very honest with the fact that she was an oopsie surprise baby. And my first trimester, I really, really struggled with whether or not to keep the baby. I struggled with um, this sense of grief, like that. I mean, honestly, it's so silly now because she's so wonderful, but I just had this feeling like I was going to be alone forever. That like <clears throat> my freedom and my romantic life were over. Um, I mean, it's again, it seems silly now, but I was 30 and it was a total shock. And um, I've definitely gone through periods of feeling really sorry for myself. Um, like my whole life revolves around her and there's so many things that have been sacrificed to, you know, accommodate her or make her the center of my world. Um, but when I really reflect on my experience of becoming a mother, I feel like I am the best version of myself because I've had to grow up for her. Um, I didn't plan to get emotional about it, but every time I think about it, I feel emotional. Um, and it, I mean, I almost hate saying it that way. Cause it almost sounds like, like she's, she's a person, you know, she's her own human being. And it's not like she's this inanimate object that has forced me to grow up and be better. Um, <clears throat> but she's just transformed, you know, how I feel about love, um, how I treat myself, how I love myself. Um, because I look at her, like, you know, they come out and they're so innocent and they didn't get a vote in coming into this world. And it's like that real selfless love of there's no expectations. Like I, I love her and she owes me nothing. I think motherhood is my first experience of that kind of love that like real unconditional, no matter what the fuck she does with her life, whatever she's into, however she dresses, however she votes. Like, I just love her. Like, she can do no wrong in, in, in terms of, you know, deserving, earning my love or whatever. Um, and it's such a little thing, but that, that process, that like experience of that has transformed my life piece by piece over the years. So <clears throat> I guess that's 
kind of me unpacking that poem in a tangential way. Yeah, I mean, I I found myself getting emotional too, but most things make me emotional these days. A motherhood has truly softened me. I, I mean, it's almost embarrassing and debilitating how often I'm just like moved to tears over the littlest thing. <laughs> yeah. Never don't find me in public or on an airplane watching a pseudo sappy movie or else I'll, you'll see <laughs> tears. Um but it's so true and I I just don't think there's you kind of touched on it earlier with like the expectations you have um when you're you realize you're going through you're gonna be pregnant, you're gonna be pregnant and you're gonna have a child. You have all these expectations for whatever reason you have them. And coming from the backgrounds that we came in, we're used to experiencing hard things and we think we're going to thrive in it. And then there's just no preparing yourself for something that irrevocably changes you. Mm. I mean, I remember thinking like, oh, this is something so like a huge swath of the population do like, surely I'm going to crush it. This is easy. Like, it's not that exceptional. It's unbelievably exceptional. It's crazy that, you know, nearly half the population is becoming mothers and it's even, or just parents in general, that, that as a, a species, we continue to do this blows my mind. And yeah, you know, when people are like, who kind of minimize that or who haven't been through it and they are uncomfortable with mothers acknowledging how different they are on the other side. I'm like, there are a million different things to experience in life that will change you. You will never be the same from. And I think all of us on this call can attest to going through things like that, going through the military, going to war. It changes you. You're never the same person you were before. And I feel like motherhood is a form of like, parallel to war like you can't come back from that without yeah I it's funny you said like this idea that so many people because I, I didn't have gin till I was 30 and I feel real ignorant I think I was kind to parents but I definitely had a lot of assumptions and was super ignorant about being a parent um <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to be present at a friend of mine's birth um before I had gin so I'd actually like witnessed a birth like up close and personal, I got to hold her hand and be there for the delivery process. And that changed me immensely. And then going through labor and like pregnancy and labor and delivery myself, I cannot believe how fucking violent labor is. And we're just not talking about it. Like I had this huge epiphany experience, like while I was in labor of how often, especially, you know, I mean, I played like a lot of sports with boys growing up and then being in the military this like defensiveness that I had built up in my personality about what I'm capable of. Like I have this chip on my shoulder about like, I can do hard shit. And like going through labor, I was like, women are just violently popping out bloody humans. And we're all like, Oh, the weaker sex. Like what? (laughs) How often have I been like, I have to be able to do pull-ups to prove that I'm a good soldier. And I'm like, you know what made me a good soldier? Birthing another human. <laughs> Cause it made yeah. me, it, I mean, it, it made me like look at people different. It made me realize how fucking strong I am and my body can put up with anything. I remember like going for long ruck marches and they're like, it's mental, you know, it's all mental. Like your body's going to do it. Well, like in labor, it's the same thing. Like your body's literally doing it, whether you want it to or not. 
And it's the mental suffering and the mental like crucible that you go through. I, yeah, I look back at my younger self and I'm like, God, you're so full of shit. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of atoning that you do once you become a mom for all the any judgment you've ever passed or expectations you had. It's just. Yeah. I also, I also cry at everything. Um, Jin had a dance recital this weekend. Um, and it's like, I want to say I'm proud of her cause I am very proud of her, but it's also, it's just like a dance recital for three and four year olds. So there was no like skill set or work, you know, like, what are you proud of exactly? Um, I was sobbing the entire time, just fucking cutest thing I've ever seen. And I, I remember just like you just said, Rachel, I remember thinking like, what is wrong with me? It's like a two hour recital. And I am off and on sobbing because these four-year-olds are like tap dancing horrendously across the stage. It was so cute. Everything. I loved her little outfits. (laughs) So cute. I got to keep those too. So maybe they'll like make an appearance in the future. Toddlers and suspenders, man. (laughs) I think your closing statement in that poem is what's so, I mean, so profound. And I'm, I'm curious about Megan and and Lilia, as far as like, if you felt torn between the things that you get up, give up and gain too. I kind of, I feel like I, when I responded, I, I didn't get to close the loop on just that, not totally resonating with me because there's, inherent in motherhood is the sense of sacrifice and that's what spoke to me so much about the poem and your story is a little different because of how you how Jen came into your life but like it's so true you're constantly balancing like what were your priorities and what become your priorities yeah I um oh man I'm still trying to unpack my motherhood journey (laughs) I got pregnant when I was 16 and, um, definitely, you know, when you have the baby, there's like a lot of bonding that goes on that Mm -hmm. you can't really like explain. It's almost like, I guess it's hard to explain if you haven't been through it. Um, so I definitely had that. And then I joined the army when my older son was 18 months Um, and then that kind of just shifted a lot of different things around. Uh, I was also going through some like PTSD from an abusive relationship. Um, and so my relationship with my older son is much different than what my experience is now with my, my toddler. Um, and I'm still trying to kind of figure that out, but it's kind of in a way cool because I'm seeing like, almost like these two different people, you know, and how much I've changed. Um, but I think Amy, the poem, like what I really love about it is it really speaks to, for me, like how this experience with a toddler getting pregnant at 38 now, it's really healed me. Um, I've changed so much and I carried around so much guilt for so long. And, and now, you know, with this experience with my baby, with the baby, um, it's really allowed me to heal a part of myself that I think maybe I would have never been able to heal that otherwise, if I didn't get an opportunity to kind of go through it again. Um, so I don't know, I, 
I love watching, you know, you and Jen and just how much you prioritize her. But we also have these conversations about how hard it is because we see, you know, other friends that are just like, oh, it's, you know, I'm going to Africa this week. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so we definitely still try to like have that, I guess, you know, just the, the type of women we are. We try to do that. And we try to have that. I mean, we went to Iceland last year with our, yeah. with our toddlers and it was, that was awesome. But um, yeah, that's, that's what the poems, how the poem speaks to me is for me, it's just been a really healing journey and it's been a humbling journey. And it's, it's to your point, made me the best version of myself that I don't think I would have ever gotten to without, you know, going through yeah. this experience again. Yeah. I don't know how else I would have how else I could have grown so much apart from motherhood. Yeah. Supposedly like a lot of drugs, but I don't know. <laughs> so I've heard, I don't know. <clears throat> Megan, do you have anything you wanted to add? Um, I think, I guess for me, the, uh, you know, I think somebody brought it up. I think it was Leah, um, just like the guilt thing. Um, I feel like, um, when I met my husband, I, I was in grad school and I kind of had a path that I was taking. And then, um, I kind of decided to stay here and, um, have kind of tried to rethink like, you know, what I want to do professionally that kind of fits into our life here. Um, and I think having a, having a child just like further complicates that. Um, and it's, I I'm still kind of on this journey, but I feel like it's definitely a balancing act because um, you know, you want to spend time with your child, but I think what's really important is also like, you have to remember that you're, you're a person, you're a full person and you have to be able to still have a social life and still have things that, you know, interest you and hobbies and things that drive you either professionally or whatever the case may be. And I think, you know, being able to kind of do all of those things will ultimately make you a better mother. Um, and I think a lot of times we just, you know, people, mothers maybe have a, ten, a tendency to kind of be like, you know, the whole stay at home mom versus working mom kind of yeah. dynamic. And, you know, I, I feel like I thought about that a lot differently before I had a child. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, there's, to me, I feel like there is no right answer. It's just, what's the right answer for you? And I think that I'm still trying to navigate that. Um, and there's definitely a lot of guilt, but there's also a lot of like, how do I, how do I become the best version of myself so that I can be the best mother to my daughter? I, um, I totally agree with that. I, it has been really hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that what's best for Jin is for me to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um like all around healthy i think there's this narrative that i mean and I, I, some of this is probably cultural i know this is like from my family this idea that like if you're the matriarch in the family you show love through self sacrifice um and we all know there's some truth to that right like you are arranging your life and you're building your life around giving your children the best that you can but i really had to process a lot of like um well, I guess I'll be specific. So one of the things for me that I struggled with is I had a really unhealthy relationship with my daughter's father. 
and I've been through therapy to unpack it. So I know, I know that I didn't do anything to deserve that situation, that I was definitely the victim of his bad choices, but I've really had to unpack how I let myself get into that situation and how I've had a history of picking people that weren't good to me. Um, and I had, I've had to really like lean into that wound because I've realized like I'm Jin's first role model as a woman. And I, and I want to, I want to be a strong, healthy role model for her. Um, so I, I think you're so spot on with that, with that concept, Megan, I think, <clears throat> I don't know what y'all's process has been like when I gave birth, I feel like it was like 18 months to two years of my whole biology was so focused on the baby. Like Lilia, you mentioned the bonding, right? It was just like my whole world was bonding and stability and her. Um, I also breastfed for two years. So I think biologically, I think that was part of it for us. But after I stopped breastfeeding around two years old, that's when I was the first time I remember being like, what do I want to do with my life besides being a mom? But it, like, it was like, I was insulated from that thought process for a while. And now she's four. And I kind of feel like I'm, I don't want to say back to where I was. Cause obviously I'm very different, but like at, at this age, I'm finally like, I have dreams, you know, I have, I have that feeling of like, what are we going to do and where are we going to go? And like all that, like hope and enthusiasm for the outside world beyond just our relationship has finally come full circle. But I, it was definitely on pause for the first couple of months of having a baby. Yeah, there's uh definitely, there's, there's something to that. And especially with the breastfeeding thing too, I, we've talked about this before. I, I nursed I, Isaac until he was 18 months. And then there's like some, it's like when you're there, the source of, you know, their continued source of life for them, it's almost like nothing else. You know, you don't think about anything else. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Where do I want to live? Or, you know, unless you're kind of forced into that situation, I'm sure Rachel, you were kind of, you kind of were forced into that situation. But um, I think if you have a place where you can hunker down, <laughs> it's almost like the rest of the world isn't really existing um, for that certain period of time. Yeah. But then you do come back and I am, I'm kind of the reawakening of like Lilia and wait, (laughs) all right. Who else am I besides, you know, this, a mom to a toddler? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting idea to um, kind of put out to people because there is you, your identity becomes so tied to your child and it's like the need to keep it living for so long. And then you think about parent, then you start really thinking about parenting as opposed to just like the attachment and literally keeping an infant alive. And you really start thinking about what am I teaching this person I brought into the world? And what I think was a revelation to me that you kind of discussed Amy um, through your journey is that like, it's not so much about teaching. It's what you're showing. It's what you're living. It's what you're modeling. Cause it's, I am freaked out every single day. What Hadley learns that no one taught her. And it's just what she's learning by observing. And it's like, what lessons am I imparting on my daughter? Just like implicitly and passively based off of choices I've made for myself. And like that, that's reckoning. It's so much harder, right? Cause it's Mm -hmm. like, I can say like Jin, be patient, Jin, be kind. 
Um, but if I'm not demonstrating it, like that's a foreign concept. She doesn't even know what that looks like. We're in the thick of that right now. (laughs) I have such a funny example of that. Like, (laughs) so with Isaac and I, it's, everything is like very, I mean, my friends laugh at me because they're like, who, who are you? (laughs) Like, how are you so soft? (laughs) Cause he just melts me. But unfortunately for our, our other person, member of our family, the puppy Cassius, <laughs> he kind of, you know, he's definitely taken a backseat to the baby. And so there's a lot of like, Cassius, get away from me. Cassius, move. You know, just like a lot of just, you're always in the way kind of energy towards Cassius. And Isaac is the same way towards Cassius. And I'm like, <laughs> and I feel bad because I see him do it. I'm like, no, don't talk to him like that. But I'm like, okay, you're literally teaching him to talk to him like that. So I have to try to check myself and be like, we love Cassius. We're nice to Cassius. <laughs> Part of the wolf pack. Um, but yeah, definitely watching that example play out every day. I had that same experience with the dogs because like, the baby's more important. So it's like, I love my puppies, but you don't even come remotely compare to the child. Um, Jen, Jen literally will be like, AJ, shut up. And then I'm like, Oh, it sounds so much worse when you say it. So now I'm trying to be like, AJ, be quiet. Of course, AJ's like, are you going to be gentle with me? I don't respond to that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another example. It's, humbling as fuck to watch them mimic you um we've had some issues with swear words i'm sure you guys are not surprised by that although jen's pretty smart and like she kind of figured out like hey some of these words are not nice mommy shouldn't say them either but like definitely don't say them at school like mommy won't be so mad if you say them at home because i mess up we make mistakes it's okay but i was like your teacher will be real unhappy. So please don't say that at school. She seems to have picked that up. Okay. Like she hasn't dropped any F-bombs at school yet. At least that I've been told. She said shit early on in school. Um, but I guess it was handled so far better now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I know some of you guys are going to be popping in and out. Um, but then another question I had for the group is what do you think about your experience of being a veteran, like most prepared you for motherhood, like what skills translate from being a veteran and being a mom? If any, you can say none. It's okay. Not sleeping. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, yes. Sleep. Yeah. I feel like I did a lot better with that than my husband did. Um, and that, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know where it came from other than the army and just like, kind of just knowing like hunkering down being like all right this is what we're doing and you know yeah um like not fighting it you just got yeah just kind of like not expecting it to get any better just like we're in it for whatever period of time we're just gonna suck it up and you know um yeah, I don't know. Other than that, unknown time and distance at selection is <laughs> unknown distance ruck march. That's so funny. I could patch, pack a mean uh, diaper bag. I'll say that much. Like <laughs> always, <laughs> was... supplies and very organized. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about too. Is like 
back in in like the new motherhood phase we were like holy shit i have to have 18 contingencies packed in this diaper bag i was like how do you know in quotes normal civilian women like what is this like for them to go through that because i've always been like yeah you write the list you got a checklist you got all the pockets it's like a technical bag you know um actually yeah that would be cool like a, a vest where you could put all the baby things instead of the diaper bag situation um I think man you guys had clever answers I was going like deep off the bat I I immediately was thinking like communication like conflict resolution with my toddler uh 100% I'm like I have had this fight with an adult first sergeant I can have this fight with a three-year-old man I I'm like the opposite I'm like I wish I had all these life skills when I was like starting off in company command, for example, you know, (laughs) you know, you're like responsible for however many amount of other human lives. And like, now I've had so much training with the two-year-old on like how to communicate without like anger and to get my point across and to get him in the boat with me rowing generally in the same direction. (laughs) Patience. Um, yeah, I uh I am torn between well, I'm not really torn. I guess I'm I'm really proud of the person that Jin is. Like she's so smart and she's so stubborn. But also like her personality is I feel like it's built to challenge me. Like just like the shape that she is is in direct conflict with my shape in terms of like how I see the day and how things should go. So there's, there's literally not a day where it's like, all right, I have to be a bigger person today in order to get through this. Um, I would say, I feel like I did a lot of challenging things growing up and in the military. And I think hands down parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. Do you guys also feel that way? Or would you like, do you, is this a relief to be a parent versus being in the military? I agree with you, Amy. I think it's definitely the hardest. I wish I knew that when I was younger. I feel like I judged moms. I hate I hate to say that out loud, but I feel like when I was young and like going to yoga class down here, like if we had a day off and you went to like the 845 yoga class and everybody in the class was a stay-at-home mom. I'd be like, well, of course you're fucking good at yoga because you just get to do yoga every day. Like your life is so easy. And I'm really sorry for thinking those thoughts. That was wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's how the species stays alive is that sort of hubris. It's an yeah. evolutionary like, necessity. <laughs> and now we know that the mom at yoga, that's like her one hour of yes. I know. being with herself without like, God, I'm so sorry for my negative energy. Like you deserve this yoga class. <laughs> I've told you this before, Jamie or Amy, sorry. Um, but like other moms, like women, I think, well, you guys can all tell me what your experience was, but in the military, you know, as like an active duty soldier, I would also judge like other soldier moms that are like, oh, you have to take time off because you have to go whatever, you know, drop your kid in an appointment or one really um, example that I am so ashamed of <laughs> is uh, during a field exercise where um, 
one of my superiors had returned from, you know, she just had her baby. She was returning from maternity leave. And, you know, like these exercises are like nonstop, right? That's the whole point of them. And she would have to like break off to go and pump. And I like remember having a lot of judgment about that. And, you know, that was before I got pregnant with Isaac and before I, I had him. But yeah, I had a lot of judgment towards her and I feel so bad about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I had judgment. Well, I, I don't even I can't think of a specific example of judgment, but I remember you know, like being in command, I was in command twice. And like, you know, you're given this regulation about like, you know, six months after the baby, you should be able to pass a PT test. And like, I never had a kid myself. So I'm thinking, well, of course the army has experts that make these regulations. So you should be able to pass a PT test. I don't think I was ever a dick to anybody about it. I don't remember. So if I was, I apologize to the universe. Um, but I just remember that assumption of like, this is the way it is. And of course it's the right, the right thing. And then going through my own experience of like being a fit, healthy person and having a relatively smooth pregnancy. I didn't have any, you know, a lot of people have different kinds of complications. I mean, I did have a C-section, but like the pregnancy and the recovery were like pretty smooth. Um, and like, I'm just now four years postpartum, like comparable to my fitness level beforehand. And I've had access to great resources. Like I've had um, a friend here opened up a gym specifically for postpartum or pregnant and postpartum moms where she does, I don't have a pelvic floor therapist, but she does like great um, PT plans for like recovering your pelvic floor. Um, She's great. And then, yeah, like the gym here, it's a CrossFit gym, which I used to be a hater of, I'll admit, but I really like this gym. Everyone's super chill and safe and like, yeah, no one judges you for being like, Hey, I haven't worked out in four years, so I need to modify everything. It feels very safe. Um, so I look back and I'm like my young soldiers who are young, they don't know a lot about fitness. They don't have access. They don't understand the resources that they could be reaching out to. Um, I feel, I feel shitty for how some of them were treated postpartum. Yeah. I think that there's still like a huge stigma in, in the military with pregnant and postpartum women. And I I think that like other women, uh, like kind of like you guys have just said, honestly, um, kind of help to, <laughs> to, uh, underline that, that stigma, unfortunately, just cause it's like, how do you, how do you just, you can't, it's impossible to describe what it's like and how difficult it is and how everybody's journey is individual and different without going through it. You know, like you said, you're, you're like, you see a manual, you see a, this is the standard. And that's kind of where your mind goes like, Oh, okay. This is the standard. Like, what's your problem? You know? Um, and I think even now, like, I know that they've changed the regulation for the ACFT and it's, you get a year to pass oh, height cool. weight and to pass the PT test. But even that, um, you know, there's no, um, there's no like, I don't know, like army directed resources to, to get there. Um, and I know like, yes, there's a, there's a degree of personal responsibility, but like you're saying, like not everybody has the same resources. Like not everybody can go out and hire a pelvic floor PT. Not everybody has a friend who has a gym that specializes in postpartum fitness. Yeah. So I think, I think that more like not to get on a whole like army leadership tangent, but I think more needs to be done and more materials and resources need to be made available for those women. Cause it's not like you get from popping a baby out 
and even a year down the line to getting to the point where you can excel at the ACFT without the proper guidance and resources. And so that's, that's still crazy to me. Like, I think it's a good change and it's a necessary change, but I think that you can't just move, you know, kick the can down the, down the lane and not provide any guidance for how you get there. And I think, I think an important point to make, I, I, I agree with you, Megan. And I think, so for context, for anyone who's listening that either like doesn't have a vagina or can't birth a child, but works with women who do, or, you know, whatever, what I think that we make this assumption that like, like we all have admitted to doing is that women around the world are popping out babies and going about their business. So it seems like a routine procedure maybe, or like not a big deal, but you know, and everyone's different. I know women who have had really smooth births, um, with no tearing or anything. And they're able to like, kind of get up and walk around pretty quickly. Um, but that in my, at least in my, within my friends, that experience is rare. Um, a lot of women have, you know, stitches and things get torn apart. Um, I, I had a C-section. So again, not to gross anybody out, but like you got soldiers who have from babies. So I'll just be honest about it. Like in a C-section, like you get cut open and your guts get taken out of your body. And then the baby gets taken out and then seven layers of tissue are stitched together. So it's like a major abdominal procedure and you get more follow-up if you sprain your ankle, right? Like I had one, like in the hospital, the only thing they do after C-section, did either of you have C-sections? I don't remember. Both of us did, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, that's what I thought. I was just for, for context for anyone listening, like after the C-section, they literally just push on your scar to make sure it's not bleeding or leaking. Um, which by the way, is super painful. Like the first time they do it, you're numb, but then like two hours later, you're not numb. numb Honestly, and- that was the worst part of the whole thing. I wanted to punch that nurse. Like I, she was just doing her job and she almost massage. lost her teeth. Yeah. I, I threw up, uh, afterward. I mean, part of it was the coming off the meds, but, um, but yeah. And then, so, and then you get like one follow-up appointment a couple of weeks later where they basically, I don't even, I don't even know if they looked at it. They just asked me if there were any issues. And like, I was a first time mom. I don't even know what an issue would be at like six weeks postpartum. And at six weeks, it's so soon too, that your, your skin and muscles are still healing. I don't even think you would know if you had a complication yet. Um, and this is something that I realized recently that blows my mind is <clears throat> so I did not have like an active supportive partner, right? So I had a roommate drive me to the hospital. And then after the C-section, you stay in the hospital for like three days or, you know, it's different everywhere, I guess. But I think I stayed for a total of three days. They don't let you walk out of the hospital. You're not allowed to walk out. You have to leave in a wheelchair. So they wheel you out to the curb and a friend of mine pulls up and I get in the car and they drive me home realizing I have to walk out of the car. So like, I'm not allowed to walk out of the hospital, but then they're just like, have a great life. Like hope you don't fall out of the car. Hope you can pick your baby up out of the car seat, even though we wouldn't let you do it in the hospital. Like, it's like, I don't know. I'm not saying that like the healthcare system needs to hold my hand throughout, but it just was so weird to be like, the doctors are like, you're incapacitated and helpless until you leave this building. And then figure it out. Like, and I had, I had, um, again, I feel so blessed. I, the whole experience was humbling in so many ways because like, I didn't have 
a supportive partner. If anything, I had a partner that was sabotaging my mental and emotional health throughout this process. But like I had my own health insurance. I had a job, so I had income. I had amazing friends and family supporting me. Um, And like I, I had, when I got home, I had like a meal train. Like I'm so, again, so lucky that I had friends in this town, like cook me food and bring me food. Cause you can't, you can't really move around the first couple of days after C-section. Um, and I ended up like my dad picking me up and driving me to my parents' house for the Christmas holidays. So I got to be like home with my family for a couple of weeks, which was helpful too. But like, I, I, yeah, it just blows my mind that people were like, let me cut up in all your organs. And then you better be able to do sit-ups in six months. Like what the fuck? <laughs> um, okay. I think. Lily will probably pop back in in a couple of minutes, but so I have a poem I want to read, but I'll try to wait for her to come back for that one. What do you guys think has been your biggest challenge in, so we all had our kid, I had like, I had Jen the same year I transitioned out. I think both of you guys transitioned and then had your kids a little bit later. Um, What has been your biggest challenge, both like transitioning out of active duty, but then also into motherhood? they can be different challenges or similar challenges. Mine are kind of overlapping. I feel like mine are a little bit overlapping too. And I kind of already touched on it, but I feel like, um, and you guys probably, or at least Amy probably knows this, but I think just like that journey, um, trying to figure out like what's next. And I feel like mine has been like longer than the average veteran. I think that, you know, um, some veterans fit really nicely into whatever, they decide to do and they just crush it and they stay in the same career for, you know, however many years. And then some people, I, I know that a lot of the, the CSTs, like off the top of my head, I can think of people that have kind of bounced around and like done a variety of different things. Um, and then just kind of decided, okay, I'm done with this and on to the next. And I think that's, that's definitely been a challenge for me, um, getting off active duty and then I think that, like I said, I think becoming a mother just further complicates that because um, I had these dreams of going to be like an international humanitarian aid worker. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I, you know, I met my husband, my final, um, final semester of grad school. And that just like all of a sudden, you know, didn't really seem like it was a good (laughs) settle down and have a family type career. Um, And so it's just, I think that, yeah, for me, I feel like that's been my biggest challenge. And then, um, you know, trying to figure out how to be the best mom I can while also fulfilling some of those, you know, aspirations that I have professionally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the journey to finding yourself. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I am at a place now where I feel like I see Jen getting older and I've also brought her through a lot of like trips and traveling and we've been through stuff together where I don't feel like motherhood is limiting me as much as I did in the beginning in terms of like being a humanitarian aid worker. Like, obviously you're not going to bring your kid to like refugee camps in another country, but like more, like, I don't know. I feel like the world's opening up again for me, not, not COVID obviously that's a thing too, but like, I feel like more crazy shit is feasible. Um, like going to Iceland last year with Lilia and another girlfriend was like a huge validation experience. 
I think we made a really good choice of like a place to test out traveling with kids. Um, Rachel, I know you've traveled with your daughter um, to, to like some different places. Um, so I'm getting more confident in that regard. But I also, Megan, like when I first had Jin, I was like, I'll never be able to do anything. Like you just have yeah. to. And, and I, I grew up an army brat, <clears throat> so I moved a lot. So I also felt, I kind of felt this sense of, um, I didn't want to give her that same very turbulent, constant change upbringing. So I've felt drawn to being more grounded in one place, at least not indefinitely, but like, I don't know, I just didn't have that stability as a kid. And I really wanted to give that to her, like a sense of a hometown. Um, yeah. But obviously my ego wars with that every day because I'm like, I want to live abroad and I want to yeah. want her to see the world and I don't want her to be from this little southern town but <laughs> to come home. Yeah, I honestly I feel like that like hometown thing that was that was something I really like craved myself like after you know moving so much in such a short period of time for the period that I was in the army um I was kind of like you know, I, I wanted to go do the overseas thing, but then like when I met David, I was like, well, I kind of want this too. Mm -hmm. Um, but then that, I feel like that has also kind of been a challenge. Cause I've, I've been in Denver for like six years now and I'm just like itching. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like, just cause like we never, I never stayed anywhere for longer than like a year and a half before I was like going somewhere else. And like, I don't know, it's just, it's really, it's like, an unexpected challenge. Um, and my husband is very much like, you know, he's from the Midwest and he's just like, never really went anywhere other than like Ohio and like growing up, I don't know. And like my family definitely traveled a lot growing up and, yeah. um, so I don't know. It's just, I guess, yeah, just in general, just like the, yeah, the military lifestyle, like there's things about it that I definitely didn't like, but then when you kind of go towards like, I want to know my neighbors. I want to, you know, go to the, go to the same grocery store and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, there are like challenges associated with that too, that like, I didn't expect. Um, cause there's a part of me that's just like, where are we moving? Where are we going? You know, mm -hmm. it's like the next adventure awaits you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in a lot of that just like definitely I resonates with me I think what's been interesting for me in light of the things that you guys were saying is that I actually have had a, a bit of a different shift like I I very much am a rolling stone military family too so um it's like Megan was saying like I get that itch and I I didn't ever want to give that up I yeah, we bought a home here in New York that could potentially be our forever home based off of like how me and my husband's professions play out. Um, and when we like closed and moved into the house, that was like the freakiest feeling driving around the town and like, is this the road that Hadley's going to drive to go to homecoming? And like, <laughs> up from her like weird little friends houses on this windy road am I gonna have to trust her to drive on these scary back roads you know it just to be able to catapult myself 15 years in the future was really weird to me and I think uh, when it comes to like the transition from military to civilian world there's always that loss of kind of identity and a, a sense of community and values that speak for you as much as you speak for them and I feel like 
when you, the identity that you assume as a mother is the same way. There's all these expectations of, you know, how you should feel as a mother and how you should operate as a mother. And so I think navigating that space is, and learning how you are going to choose to navigate it is always interesting. And I'm definitely um, at a bit of a conflict point or a decision point in my own journey and on how I'm going to navigate motherhood and, and that transition in that, like, I've always been so comfortable with risk and have had the circumstance and the luxury to take certain kind of like shallow risks with my family. We are not risks, but adventures. We do a bunch of traveling. Um, we kind of do the things that we want, but we, you know, right now I'm, I'm thinking about maybe I want to take a step back professionally. Maybe I want to maybe not work as much, uh, or maybe I want to change careers and start going you know, back towards the things that spoke to me as an individual and the things that I'm passionate about that aren't just like professionally comfortable. Mm. And, you know, you have to balance. It's like, well, what does that mean for my family? What will I, what will I now be providing that I wasn't before or vice versa if I take those risks? Um, so it's just another person that's part of the equation that wasn't before when you could just take your own, you know, uh, wants and needs into the equation. Yeah. I felt like I feel like I was so fearless. I mean, I obviously had different things that were scary back then, but like, I just used to do shit, you know, like, like, uh, Lilia joked that our friend group, like our group texts, right. People will be like, who wants to fly to China next week? You know, like just so like the world is, you know, your oyster, right. And like, you're free to do whatever you want. Um, yeah, that like kind of loss of freedom initially was difficult but like I said I feel like it's getting better as Jen gets older um I I don't know anyone that's gotten if you've served for a couple of years right I don't know where that cutoff point is but nobody that I know that has gotten out after a couple years like didn't have a huge identity shift um I feel like for me I thought that I was going to, my pendulum was going to swing so far from who I was on active duty. Cause now I have this freedom to, I mean, obviously I'm still in the reserve, so I have to follow some rules, but like, I don't know. I thought I would just go like straight hippie, um, and do a bunch of crazy things. And I've actually found, I think I kind of, it, I did in some ways go that far, but I've actually kind of settled back into a lot of who I was on active duty is who I am. I, it was hard to see that when so much of it was forced. Um, but like at my job, I'm shocked to be the person that is like, we have to have a plan. We need to plan things. And like, and like, I take notes. I'm like, I'm so kind of square, um, at my civilian work job. And I thought for sure I was going to like, you know, I felt like I rebelled against that in the army. Um, and I'm like, literally I'm the typical old vet at my job and I have to, check myself frequently about telling army stories about how things should be done in the best way possible using the army for reference. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how I survived the motherhood and army transition at the same time, but I guess it's like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to knock down the building, just fucking blow it all up and we'll start from scratch. And that's kind of how we, how we've been. Um, all right. I'm going to read one more poem. And if Lilia pops back in, um, she can give me her input on this if she wants, and then I'll let you guys go. Um, so I've read this one before, 
uh, in a different podcast. So it's not actually, I read it on the one with Alex and Shalane. If you guys listen to it, this is the sisterhood poem. Um, but all three of you are mentioned by name. So that's why I wanted to read it. And then I'll ask each of you what you think it means when I listed your name and I'll tell you what it really means. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Sisterhood. <clears throat> Barb mothered me. Eba mothered me. Laura mothered me. Jesse made me a big sister and Emily made me better. Caroline showed me faith. Tina showed me wit as a weapon. Liz showed me how to choose family over valor. Lizzie showed me light in dark places. Geneva showed me my independence is beautiful. Rachel taught me that women can possess beauty and other strengths. Alex taught me there's more to love than I learned in my childhood home. Shalane taught me how to listen to women. Lilia taught me you'll never regret being down for your friends. Aaliyah taught me how to be a soldier first. Meg is a courageous heart. Shan is the best kind of friend. Andrea is the bravest woman I know. Kelly is a great mother. And Kim is a guardian of gateways. Can I speak to what I think it, because I, I love what you wrote for Megan, because I, can I? Yeah, yeah. Interpretation on that. Um, well, I just love that whole poem because we all have our own special relationship with so many different women in that, uh, in that poem. And yeah, you guys probably know 90% of the people. Yeah. And it's impossible to not be impacted by all of them. Oh, good. Lily's back. This is perfect. <laughs> but Megan, as I have so many very, I'm not someone with a strong memory. I am someone who like, it's actually almost scary how pathetic my memory is, but I have a lot of very vivid memories with Megan. And I think what I always loved and respect about Megan is that she's always felt so like authentically herself. I just, I just have learned a lot of like a sense of like ownership of who learning to own who I am and how I express myself. I feel like I learned from Megan and it's not because Megan is some like showy, arrogant, overly confident person. I just feel like she has a sense of like self-awareness that not a lot of people are blessed with. Mm. And she uses it with like judiciously and with wisdom and like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, that's what, when I think of Megan, the way you put it, it really resonates with me too. And um, that's the impact that I feel like I have from my getting to know and being friends with Megan. Um, Lilia, just for context, I read the sisterhood poem that's got everybody mentioned by name. So I'm just like getting everybody's opinion on what I said about each of you. Um, so I, I'm going to go to Megan in a second, but your line, Lilia is Lilia taught me, you'll never regret being down for your friends. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So Megan, what do you, what does that line about you make you think of, or what do you what do you feel about that? Wait, can you read that line for me one more time for me, for Megan's and Rachel's? Because I missed um, Rachel's was Rachel taught me that women can possess beauty and other strengths. And uh, Megan is Meg is a courageous heart. Um, OK, so honestly, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but Rachel, that was really nice what you said. I think that 
I have always felt, um, especially in this, this group of women that we are blessed to, you know, grow up with and know, and some, you know, Lilia, I've, I've heard your name several times in different groups and I never had the pleasure of meeting you, but I kind of feel like I, I, I know who you are, you know, as just, cause I feel like I kind of know what all of these women are about. Obviously everybody's different and special in their own ways, but, um, I have always felt kind of like in this group that I'm like the super awkward one. And like, um, you know, and, and I know like when we were going through, um, you know, just interviews for, I guess if, if I can bring this up, but like the, the Ashley's war book, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um, there were points where I, I was just really like adamant about like, wanting to portray how afraid I was and how that was important to me that that was portrayed. Um, and there was actually people in that group of women that were there that said, you shouldn't admit that you shouldn't show your weakness. Like, that's not like the, that's not like the, the theme we're going with. Um, and so I, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, that like it's it's always important to me to to just i guess like you said Rachel to just admit that like um yeah i think we're we're badass women and i think we 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 all have incredible strengths and um qualities but um at the end of the day like i feel like just being able to show that vulnerability and show that we are incomplete people and that we're we have weaknesses is like almost as equally important as showing how, you know, how strong we are. Um, and so I don't know, I think like, I, I have learned so much from this group of women and just like, you know, I I make mental notes, like, don't always say sorry, don't always apologize. Like, and that's just something that's just like, just like ingrained in me, just, just being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I, I, because of like this friendship and this group of women, I, I remind myself of things like that. Like, no, you're not sorry. Why are you sorry? Like, just like own things. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a part of me that like, I always feel like, like, you know, I'm just like a very imperfect person. That's like, just trying to figure life out. And I'm not, I'm not special. I'm special because I, I'm friends with this group of people or I'm blessed to know these women. So, um, fun fact uh for you guys um that line is actually redundant because the the root of the word courage core is heart um so courage actually means open heart like if you were to literally translate the the history of it so saying you have a courageous heart is a little redundant but um I don't want to get so emotional on the recording but it's hard for me to like unpack this stuff without just reflecting on memories and you guys know like the CST group is like, there's a lot of women now who have done it and we kind of have like our core relationships, but then we also have like some relationships that have just, you know, they're deeper than others. And there's no, like for me, and I think where we are all at now, that's very normal, right? Like some of our friendships go in cycles. Some people stay really close. Um, you know, like lately, like Lilia being here and Shalane's always coming through like the last couple of years, I've been really, really close to Lilia and Shalane. Um, but Megan is just somebody that I, I've always felt really close to you, Megan, even like 
you know, it's like we were classmates at school and I didn't really know who you were, but like from day one of selection, I was like attached to you. Like, I don't know. There's no, like, I don't know how to explain why. Right. I don't know what it is about you, but I just like have always looked up to you so much and enjoyed your company and like, you know, the way that you communicate just like makes sense to me. Like, I just feel like authentically really drawn to you. And I remember kind of to your point of what you brought up, I remember you being nervous about deployment. And I remember um, going through some of the training stuff that was challenging for you. And, you know, you being really honest and vulnerable about being nervous about a briefing that we had to do, or, you know, kind of falling apart a little bit emotionally, like if you didn't think that you did well. And I think I mean, that that's like over 10 years ago, right? So like we've both grown up a lot. And I, I think when I reflect back, one of the things that I've always loved about you is that ability to show emotion and be vulnerable was really killed in me the way that I was raised. Um, and so it's like, it's that, it's that like on the surface level, I'm uncomfortable. Like, and I don't want you to show that vulnerability, just like you said, right? Like back then it's like, don't cry in front of people. Don't let them know that you're scared, like be fucking tough. But I think that internally I was really drawn to your ability to feel because I couldn't. And now that I'm older and I've healed a lot and I have a kid who's like blown my heart open. I'm like, so I see how that was so much more courageous than sucking it up. Um, and like, it blows my mind that you were like that 10 years ago and it's taken me all this time to get there. But I think that's part of why I always like was drawn to you. It was like, there's, there's some strength here that I don't have access to. And so I want to be around it. Um, so that is what that line means for you. Well, thank you. Um, (laughs) that, no, I, it's honestly, it's that's really like amazing. Like what you just said, I, I don't know. Cause like I said, I've kind of always felt like in some ways, you know, I'm just like, pick it up, pick it up, you know, get on their level. But it's just like, yeah, I'm just a big sissy sometimes. And, you know, <laughs> but I, I think like, um, you know, going through everything that like we went through and, and me doubting myself a lot during, even just like during like the train up um, and then like being kind of put in the position that I was put in on deployment. I feel like that prepared me for that, that moment. Like mm-hmm. I had already gone through all the self doubt I needed to. And when I was put in the position I was put in, I was like, all right, like it's game time. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just kind of how, like, I, I guess like go like work through things. And it's know. so inherently healthy though. Right. Like if you let the emotions process and let them out and you express them you're able to move on mm-hmm. and I mean again like I, I know you experiencing it doesn't feel like a pillar of health but I I look at like how in so many different areas I suppressed things and so they exploded out in unhealthy ways um so I say all that to say like it's it's just amazing to me like that you, you, you really were more mature than you realized you were, I think, compared to a lot of us who are being dicks to you by telling you to suck it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. I, no, I really do appreciate that. It's, that's really nice of you to say. <laughs> um, Rachel, what do you think about your line? Um, well, I guess it 
it's probably something to do with the fact that like women, they are, I think now, but for a time weren't allowed to contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. So if, if a woman maybe embraces something surface level, like her, you know, conventional beauty and maybe even operating in a world that promotes that, like I did, um, that that could be the only thing that, you know, personifies their identity. And I certainly had no interest in that um, and bucked against it while not. There was a time where I thought I should feel a little ashamed about the fact that I was an NFL cheerleader in college. And um, while it was like prom- promoted sort of within the army, there was always this kind of like undertow of, well, you can't be a good soldier or leader if you navigate it in a world that is like somehow frivolous or you know, whatever the projected interpretation of that was. Um, and so like, I, I think I navigated that as I needed to be professional because it was sometimes a distraction, but like at a certain point, I just had no interest in, in navigating that, um, other people's baggage with that. And it was never that hard for me to recognize that, like, I don't know, women are unbelievably dynamic (laughs) depth and you know the physical thing is only one interesting thing about us yeah um I've unpacked this a lot with Shalane over the years also I've had these conversations with her and like the things that she's taught me um about women just by being herself but uh, like our our friendships I never felt like our friendships were surface level I think obviously they've grown in depth but like there's this idea there's this concept right of like we did this hard thing together so our bonds are very tight and we're all different people from different backgrounds so like over the course of years of reflecting on how people are different and realizing like why like our friendship is grounded and I loved you up front so it's like a safe safe place to kind of unpack um unpack things that maybe you couldn't with like a stranger or somebody that you just work with. So, um, I had, I had a lot of internalized misogyny to use that kind of cliche term now. And one of them is first of all, that your only value as a woman was how you look. So I'm inherently less valuable because I'm not like a hot chick or again, like I viewed myself that way. Like I'm not hot enough to be valuable. Even which is so weird because even in the army, I felt that way, right? Like it's like my feminism had to be hidden, but I needed to be attractive enough to be taken seriously. It's like this like impossible dynamic. Um, but what I've realized, I don't think I had this impression of you up front. I think it's something that I realized over time is this idea that I, I think you're a very beautiful woman. And I also think that you are inherently feminine, just like the way that you walk and talk and carry yourself is very like beautiful and feminine. Um, but you're also really smart and you're also really driven. And you're also like, like in your career, you are fearless. Like you've done so many things that are like, just, I I, I don't know if you want me to list them or not. So I won't, but like the things that you've done, like post army, where it's just like, I'm going to go dominate this. And then I'm going to go dominate this. I'm going to dominate this. And it's really forced me to look at how I judge other women because it's like, so what's more likely is Rachel, this anomaly who is all of these things, or can women be more than what I've let them be? 
Um, and I know that seems kind of silly and obvious, but like in my own journey, it's really been pivotal. I mean, even like, you know, Lily and I go to the gym and there's this little voice in my head. Like if a lady walks in and she's super jacked and she's pretty, I'm like, fuck that chick. Like she is, it's genetic. She is not working. Like, there's no way that she's like, I work here working so hard. How does she look that good? Like I have that like default negative voice um, that I've really, I mean, I'm still unpacking it honestly, cause it still rears its head occasionally, but like, I've really had to unpack that over the years. And I just remember getting to know you. I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell this to you now, but it's like, I remember getting to know you and being like, she's also smart. Like she's not just pretty. And it was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to accept that. Um, and I think it challenged, it challenged me to be a better woman because I don't have to fit into a certain category. Like I can be all of the things that I am. I don't have to fit into. So like my narrative was that I'm smart, so I can't be pretty. Right. Like it's, again, it's dumbed down. Right. But that's like, I've had to unpack it. Um, the idea that like, if I'm competent, then I'm not, I can't be attractive. Or if I'm physically fit, then I'm not like feminine enough. Um, I know it's so silly now, but like, again, all of my twenties, that was like deeply ingrained in my personality. So I don't know if that's a compliment for you or not. Um, but you are an amazingly well-rounded person and you've, you've made me look at other women more maturely than I could have 10 years ago. Well, I'm happy part of that journey. I feel like so many of the other traits that you're expressing about the other women tie into that, right? Like maybe you wouldn't be coming to that same level of realization without the way Shalane impacted you or without the vulnerability that, you know, Megan imparted and Mm -hmm. loyalty and all, you know, all that stuff. It's like, um, you know, one person can change you in one way, pay it forward. Yeah. All right, Lilia, last one before I let you guys go. Um, do you remember what your line was or do you need me to read it again? Um, I mean, I remember the general sentiment, but you can read it again. Um, Lilia taught me you'll never regret being down for your friends. It just makes me so happy that you you say that about me. I, I love it. Um, and to Rachel's point earlier, like anything can make me cry right now. So I'm going to, I know with deep breaths, (laughs) I know. um, (laughs) hearing you guys talk about our, our tribe, it, it just feels so good. To, and, and I know we, we we have these conversations often, but it's always good to be reminded how lucky we are by finding each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I when you when I hear that line, um, I've shared this with you before, Amy, but I like you, you know, I didn't have the most healthy childhood, go into abusive relationship, go into 20 or one years of the army. So maybe I never really knew like what a healthy framework of relationships is what a healthy relationship looks like, what, like what love actually is like what all those like important things that we're now trying to teach our kids, our babies. Um, but I, I do know that when I found this group, our group, um, and I started and I was actually going to, you know, after the deployment stuff, going to therapy and my therapist said something that's like still impacts me till this day, which I've shared with you before, which is that our friendship is 
the template that I needed to understand what love is. Like it is a healthy relationship. We, we've talked about this before where it's like, I know that we can make plans for a year and I can be like, Oh, something came up. Sorry. You know, whatever. And, and it's fine. Like, you know, feelings might be a little bit hurt or whatever, but you're not going to like disown me because I didn't meet some expectation. Like there's no expectation, you know, kind of the same way that we love our kids. Like how you mentioned with Jen earlier, like I love her without expectation and that's how our friendship is. And so, um, yeah, the fact that like, that's the line, like I am down for my friends. I, you guys know, ride or die, like I'll give you the shirt off my back. And I'm just so grateful to have this group of girls, this group of women, um, that has taught me what love is and has taught me what really, what a healthy relationship looks like. You spot on assessment. <laughs> Obviously, we've had these conversations, I think, a lot over the last couple of years because I've been so lucky to live in the same town as you. Um, <clears throat> I was definitely one of those little girls that took home or took to heart the narrative that your life doesn't really begin until you fall in love or you meet your partner or your, you know, your purpose isn't fulfilled until you have a partner. Um, And I I don't know if that's Disney movies. I don't know if that's like, you know, I'm a romantic at heart, um, which I finally let myself give into that and read romance novels that I've been putting off for 30 something years. Um, I, I, I think in my personal story, I think there's a little bit of generational trauma there. I think like I've, I have a little bit of a, of a legacy of women who needed men to save them from their circumstances. And so finding their partner really was getting them out of where they were. Um, that's definitely a narrative at least two generations back. Um, and so in my twenties, like when we all met, I, I was still really struggling with like, like I have this great life and I have friends and I'm doing cool things, but like, I'm, I'm unfulfilled because I don't have a man, a romantic partner. And I, through like my own healing journey, I've kind of woken up to this realization that like, I have a family, like a blooded family that loves me and, you know, they're flawed and they don't do things perfectly. They don't show up perfectly, but their love for me is real, even when I don't feel it. And also our group of friends, like I'm so fucking lucky to have all these women who love me and have my back, even though like we live in different States and our jobs change and people have kids and people are married and like, again, like it's the modern world. So shit's chaotic, but I had to, I had to do a lot of self-work to let myself feel that love, to feel loved by my friends, because the narrative was like, that love isn't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the romantic kind. I won't feel loved until I have a man who loves me. Um, and it's taken like years to be where I am now, where it's like, I feel loved by my family. I feel loved by my friends. And you guys didn't like, obviously we've all grown over the last 10 years, but it's not that you guys changed. It's that I changed enough to love myself and receive that. And you have always been just like a demonstration of that. It felt so easy. I mean, just as an observer, right. I know experiencing it on your own is different, but like you just, from the beginning of meeting you, it was like, you were down for your friends. Like you knew that your friends were your family. 
right? Like even if romantic circumstances change or you have a kid, like you've always been like, I, mean, I hate the expression ride or die, but that's like just your energy, you know, like you're, you're, you're so brave. I mean, I look at you, I think that you are very brave. I think you are fearless when it comes to living who you are and leaning into your friendships and like even pushing back on friendships. Like I was always the friend that was like afraid to have boundaries. Cause I'm like, if I have a boundary, you're not going to love me. Um, I know that's bullshit, but that was like, that's how I showed up to this place was like even having imposter syndrome, right? Like you guys are all so hardcore. If I admit I'm not hardcore, you're not going to love me. And like, again, we've all learned, like we all have our insecurities and that's silly, but, um, I am so grounded in my friendships now. And I have like people like you really in my corner. Like I, I don't, I I feel, God, I feel like I mentioned being single so much that I'm like jinxing myself. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to be emotionally honest with people that like I'm 35 and I'm single and I've never felt more loved because I have such good friends. And like 25 year old Amy would be like, sounds like bullshit to me. Sounds like you're escaping through romance novels and you're, and that sounds like bullshit. And it's really not like, I'm really, I hope my love story is not over, but I can look into the future and know like, Lilia, you want to go to South Africa next year? Like, fuck it, let's do it. You know, like Rachel, I really want to go to Italy with you sometime. Like I fantasize about let's go to Rome and eat pasta. And Megan, I'm coming to Colorado like three times this year. So I'm going to see you. Um, like I, like I feel happy and joyful and, and like, I have so much to live for and yeah, I'm just so, I'm really grateful that you stayed in this town. (laughs) Didn't leave me like everybody else. (laughs) Um, all right. Does anybody have anything else they want to say before I wrap it up? I know I've taken a lot of y'all's time. Well, thanks for having, thank you. I think your last point, I only think I would say, cause it, it, spoke to me because it's even if you aren't single and you know if you have a partner or you're in a marriage it can be hard to like expect so much from that other person and what I feel like this group does for me is provides me like trust and intimacy that is like that's hard to get from one completely from one person and I feel like I get it in spades from this group of women and there's so many that I can turn to um when things are great or hard or scary. And there's someone, oh, I know, like we started this call. I had literal health questions about children. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, you know, that's, that's just one element of the trust and intimacy that exists between this group. Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. I love, well, just the fact that we took a couple of hours out of our day to catch up and chat. (laughs) It's always fun with you guys. Um, I want to think of what your line is though. And I, I haven't prepared anything, but I mean, just off the cuff, I'm thinking like Amy has taught me how to stay in the fight with like with grace, you know, like I just I know your journey and I know your story and I know it hasn't been easy, but you just show up every day and, you know, you give it your all like friendships, gym, workouts, you know, everything, the writing. Like, I, I just love watching. I love watching you do what you do. Oh, thank you. That definitely is going to make me cry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect line for you, Amy. I think, I mean, off the cuff, but yeah, that was, that was pretty, 
pretty spot on. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you too, for, for inviting me. And, um, but yeah, it's always, it's always like, I feel like I learned so much and every time I like, you know, talk to any of the women in this group. So, um, it's definitely like an honor. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to drop on mother's day. So happy mother's day to you ladies. Um, I was impressed and proud of you 10 years ago, and I'm even more impressed and proud of you guys watching you become moms. Um, I'm so pumped for our kids to grow up together. So pumped. They are so lucky to have each other. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. And thank you for dead reckoning for letting me talk shit with my friends on a podcast for a couple hours. (laughs) Thanks dead reckoning. (laughs) All right, ladies, I'll see you. Uh, the biggest, I, I think the biggest misperception is that somehow we're damning. That nothing, nothing really can stop us.